Welcome to another episode of the Miles Offside Podcast, where we talk a little bit of football and a whole lot of nothing. I am Oscar Puente, also known as Footy From Afar, and with me as always is my co-host Chuck Bailey. Hey, what's hey, up? Hey Chuck, long time no see, how are you? I know, it's weird seeing you through Skype now, after after our meet up on our fair shores. Ooh, well I also meant we haven't potted in a while, so. Oh yeah, it has been a while, hasn't it? Was yeah, that like two weeks? Yep, two weeks oh. of the Prem have gone by. We haven't really talked that much about it, at least not on the air, so we'll get to that today. But things are good, yeah? Yeah, things are looking very good. Uh, I've enjoyed Premier League being back, back in our lives. Great. And with us, as always, on the other line is super producer Ian Stimson. How's it going, Ian? Yeah, very good. How are you? Good. Tired. A bit jet-lagged. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Enjoy your European excursions? Sure did, especially when I got to meet you, find some fine, handsome gentlemen. Yeah, yeah, good to see, have some face-to-face time. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh yeah, you're even more handsome than I thought you'd be. Yeah, Skype does crush down the video. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it takes away your radiance, a radiance that can't be perceived through sk- screen format. We it look is, good uh... in that picture. Whoever took yeah. that picture, like, we look good. Strong Way picture. hotter than we, like, we're going to get some serious stalker action out of that, and it's fully undeserved. <laughs> fully undeserved that's a shame well hanging out with you guys did make clear to me that when we were hanging out with our better halves that they really are our better halves and we're just very lucky <laughs> men to have them yeah. in our lives yeah. Punch him. don't ever leave me exactly yeah let's not let's not pull at that thread guys <laughs> <laughs> i think we're all just Fun. really grateful um yeah. yeah so been a couple of weeks since we recorded happy to be back um back from my adventures back in the season and swing of things um, as will be our format going forward for most of the year, we're going to run through a couple of rapid-fire news stories, uh, a bit more of a deeper dive on the bigger matches that have happened, and then take a break, come back for some listener questions and a couple of odds and ends of business, and call it a week. How's that sound to you, boys? Pow. Sounds good. So, starting us off with the rapid-fire news segment, Kevin De Bruyne has been ruled out for three months at City with a knee ligament injury. Chuck, is that going to completely derail their season? Yeah, completely. They have just such a terrible team that they could never survive. Oh, no, <laughs> fuck it. Absolutely not. Like, it, they. fair enough, they lose De Bruyne for like three months, but fuck me, getting a player like De Bruyne back for when the Christmas schedule gets massively hectic. Like, that's perfect, really. Yeah, the ultimate January signing right there, basically. Yeah. yeah. He was, got... I think, the best player in the league last year. Would you agree with that? Yep. Easily. Yeah. Which just speaks volumes to City's talent, which we'll get into later, but that they can lose the best player of the league last season and they're just fine. They're totally Hell fine. Hell yes. Yeah. All right. That's news story number one. Moving on. Um, your boy, Wilfred Zaha, has signed a new contract at Spurs with a huge wage increase and an extension on his years. Are you excited about that? Um, as excited as new contracts mean anything nowadays. Like, usually that's just a bit of protection and the amount of times you see like, oh, so-and-so signed a massive new contract and then they're gone. Um, so I think it just protects Palace a little bit and just shows that whatever happens, if he does go, then Palace kind of get the best deal out of it as well. Um, but I can't see him going in January if he would, potentially in the summer. But I think if Palace do well this year, and so far we've looked quite good and I've been quite happy, Um Never know what could happen if if we somehow get into like a Europa place like Burnley did this year. 
he could stay for another season. So maybe another season. I'd, I'd say he stays for the, this full season at least. I, I agree with that. I think he'll be here for this year. Um, I don't really see him staying past the summer, not necessarily because of European competition, but just because of his age. He's hitting that mm. peak age, and so he's going to want to move on to, no offense, a bigger club. Um, but I think that it is a very much win-win situation for them with the contract. He gets paid as much as he deserves to be getting paid for how good of a player he is. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure they um, put in place something like a release clause, right? No, no right? release clause. No on release the clause? Okay. None. Well, it still helps them out to make sure that he, they get how much they deserve. Yeah, and it's a five-year contract as well, which always boosts it. Right, exactly. The earlier in the contract someone's trying to sign you, the more money you can demand. Exactly. Um, so it's win-win, but I still don't see him staying for the full length of it. Uh, moving on, Spurs venue has been delayed yet again. Some reports saying as far as 2019. Do we think they'll play there this year? No. Nope. Me neither. No, I just don't see it happening. They keep saying one week, one week, one week. Should they be refunding Spurs season tickets or compensating fans in any sort of way? Yeah, they definitely should. Um, I think it's a bit harsh especially since they sold all of the tickets and said xyz and i believe they put their prices up this year as well because of the new stadium um plus you add on the fact that people will potentially not be as close to wembley and it might be a bit more difficult and we do have one friend who was a spurs season ticket holder and he was saying that some people are actually paying more for worse seats because of the wembley situation yeah um because they got moved up and it ends up costing more and that's not even including travel costs and all that um, so I would imagine that the Spurs fan community is very upset, and rightly so. Um, and especially given that the their lack of spending in the transfer window was largely linked to the venue, and now the venue just keeps getting delayed, and that situation keeps spiraling a bit. Um, I'd be pretty furious if I was a Spurs fan. But. but if you are a Spurs fan, get in touch with us on Twitter or Gmail, because we don't know the ins and outs of it. And if you've been screwed over in any way, it'd be interesting to hear from a Spurs fan about just how bad it's, it is or what we, what you expect the situation to be because we we don't know because we you know no. we're not direct directly involved in that club so no and are you just really upset because you don't get to go and try the vip cheese room well i mean <laughs> yeah exactly i'm booking tickets to, I, I don't give a shit if they play i just want to go to the cheese room i want to yeah. see it is it being called what's the, do we know what the stadium's being called uh, i'm sure they'll sell the naming rights to some financial institution or betting thing Oh, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. You guys are finally catching on with that. American sports have been on that for a long time, but English sports are a little bit behind. It's such an obvious, easy revenue stream that no one actually cares about particularly. The the Camembert 365? <laughs> <laughs> Best I could do, sorry. On such short notice, I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, sorry. And the last one I have on my rundown for the news stories, La Liga has signed a deal to play several games per season in the USA. Is that a good thing or a bad thing for those teams? Is that a good thing or a bad thing for the league? Shit for everyone. Next. <laughs> really? Shit for everyone? That's not what I thought you'd say. No, it's shit for everyone. I don't I don't agree with it because I don't... Just like when they were saying about the NFL teams playing... I think it was going to be the Jaguars playing a certain number of home games over at Wembley every year. Like, it's fucking shit. If you support that team and then can't go and see them because they've decided to tow it out, nah, I think it's crap. And to be honest, I don't think... I don't think fans in America will appreciate it as much. And, and a lot of true sports fans will actually think, oh, this is a bit weird. Yeah. I don't That's just my take that. on it. I'd say I'd, if, if Palace started playing, you know, if I had a Palace season ticket, which I don't because of my job, 
um, and I couldn't go to certain games because they were being played in the Far East, for example, I'd be absolutely fucking livid. Yep, I think from the fan perspective, it's horrible. I think from the player perspective, it's horrible because they have to add in a bunch of travel. You know, people complain about European ties. Now, all of a sudden, you have a quote-unquote home game being played across the ocean. Um, I think from the team's perspective, it does make sense potentially to increase revenue and increase your fan base and try to reach out to people that way. Um, And I think from the league perspective, there's an obvious appeal to trying to break into the U.S. market because we are heavily dominated by the Premier League as far as what teams or what leagues people watch here. Um, But what they really should have done is try to negotiate a better TV deal as opposed to playing games here. Because I think the biggest reason that the Premier League is so big here is that all of the games are on TV. Um, Just even thinking back to my own nascent days as a Premier League fan, like if it had been that the Bundesliga was the thing that was easy to watch, there's a real chance I'd be a Bayern Munich fan instead of a Chelsea fan. Mm -hmm. Um, But the Premier League is the thing that was on TV every weekend, and so it was easy to watch games and end up picking Chelsea as my team. So it's it makes sense, but it's not the optimal strategy for increasing your fan base um, for the league and team, and it's really stupid from the fans' perspective. So I'd be pretty angry. And and let's face it, if it's Barcelona or Real Madrid or Atletico, which chances are it is, they don't need to increase their fucking exposure. No, not at all. Like, I get why some of the lower down teams in La Liga would, but do you really think Barcelona and Real need to raise their profile worldwide? No, and they're all already massively popular in the US yeah. even. The Premier League is the most watched league, but El Clasico is the most watched soccer match in any given, any given season in the US, so... Um, cool. That was pretty quick, actually. Rapid fire news stories were actually rapid fire. Love it. I'll take it. Yeah, Stimmers is happy about that. He's got going in the background <laughs> there. Uh, so let's go ahead and ruin Stimmers' day and now spend an hour talking about <laughs> the matches. Um, the most convoluted tying everything together with references that if he edits out even one bit, <laughs> the whole Jenga tower of the podcast will just collapse. <laughs> uh, intro, outro, see you later. <laughs> <laughs> that is what my missus said to me today. She's like, you're recording quite late, so please be quick. So I was like, what should we do? Just go, uh, football, goals, tackles. Uh, next week, more football. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very much keeping an eye on the timer because I'm. it's not late in the evening, but I'm super jet lagged. So my body thinks that it's like 11 p.m. right now or whatever. Um, and I didn't sleep well at all last night. So anyway, I am keeping an eye on the timer. We are only 14 minutes into recording which means you're probably about five minutes into your listening. Uh, And we will keep it moving along. So, topic number one, team number one for this week. Manchester City have been dominant in their first two games. They look most likely to be repeating their title. Their odds-on favorites, I believe, at this point to win and retain. Is it the truth? Discuss. That absolutely is the truth. Like, they just, they have picked up exactly where they, they left off. And like, fair enough, they played an Arsenal team who are massively finding their feet and finding out what's going on. Um, and then they played Huddersfield, who pretty much, as we all predicted, um, look like they're just going down um, because they looked god-awful against City. And, you know, they got that one lucky goal from a corner. But, you know, they were leaving one man on Aguero. And from goal kicks, um, the the goal that Edison assisted on, for the in the second game, Aguero, well, he's not offside because you can't be from a goal kick, but he's like ten yards behind the the last Huddersfield defender, and he has no clue where he is. 
Nope, he was the only person in their attacking box. <laughs> and I'm like, how do you give Aguero that much space? Like, have yeah. you not heard of him before? Or what's yeah, the- it's crazy. And and even watching Arsenal, they granted they were trying to play a new format under Emery, but all those guys have played against Man City. Like, they know what they're about. So they're playing that stupid high line. And, like, Aguero is just going to run behind. Yeah. And they're just going to get stretched, and it's mental. Um, but City, they're, they're just going to win the league again. That's it. Okay, so I don't know that I agree with that, necessarily. Um, I do think they're the favorites, but a lot can happen between now and Game Week 38. And I do think there are other teams that will push them very far. Uh, specifically, I'm thinking about Liverpool. Because it's only been two matches, so don't actually take that much away from this. But if you look at the expected points table this early in the season, and again, that's a sample size is two games, so like it, this is bullshit. But it is indicative of at least a general idea. Liverpool are actually ahead of City in the expected points table. Um, they're both on about 5.5, but Liverpool are at 5.5, City are at 5.4. Um, and the reason for that being that Liverpool have looked fantastic in their two matches. And they've had less XG conceded and more XG generated. Um, they've been against weaker opposition. I see you making faces over there, Chuck, and I know you're right. <laughs> you're absolutely right. City are the better team. I'm not saying they're not, but I think that Liverpool have a legitimate chance to push them all the way to the end of the season. Yeah, but you look at you look at Liverpool, you look at the two teams City have played, and like obviously they played Arsenal, so that will hurt those kind of statistics. And then they played Huddersfield, who are the worst team in the league. But, well, maybe apart from Cardiff. But Liverpool played West Ham, who looked absolute fucking dog shit, and won 4-0. And to be honest, it's so hard to ever say these things and not sound like I'm being biased. But I don't think Liverpool were that good against Palace. The fact that they won from a, you know, Salah bought that penalty completely. And then they couldn't really break them down until obviously there was the 10 men and then they scored a breakaway goal, which could have not gone in. Obviously, they had the XG and and what have you. But, you know, they didn't look like they were going to roll over Palace really at any point. And even when Palace were kind of down to 10 men. So I don't I still don't know about Liverpool. A lot of people will be very hot on them because they are still super attacking and super fun. But the quality that City have everywhere and in even more depth, even though Liverpool have strengthened, I still just think they'll 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 win the league. Yeah, I mean, I think the only thing I would say to that is that Liverpool have improved enough in a bunch of different areas. Like, um, I heard the stat being bandied about that no one has kept more clean sheets than Virgil Van Dijk in 2018. Yeah. Um, and so when he plays, Liverpool's defense is actually much better. Obviously, Allison is a much, much better keeper than they had last season. And I do think that the investment in the midfield and the defense for Liverpool, while keeping the same attacking front three and not losing anybody, um, because they did lose Coutinho, and they easily could have lost Salah this summer to a Real Madrid or somebody, but they kept them, um, I think is going to genuinely, like, when City plays Liverpool, City will win, but Liverpool only needs to win against everyone else. You know, that's the classic Real Madrid-Barcelona they both just beat everybody, and then it comes down to the last day of the season. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's. It, you say it quite flippantly, but you know, like Liverpool just have to beat everyone else. They can, though. That's what I'm saying. I think that they're they, good enough to do that. Of course they can, but there's there's nothing in their previous seasons to make you believe. You know, they're still seen as a shaky team that will all of a sudden just lose out of anywhere. 
um, for no real reason or capitulate. If you go on like past form and everything like that and what we've seen, City are just still a dominant force. No, yeah. no questions asked. And they will pick up points everywhere. They had their bit of luck, obviously, um, last season, where I think three games in a row, Raheem Sterling scored the winner in 90-plus minutes against Southampton, maybe Burnley, and I can't remember the other team. Um, and they just have that quality, and they have it everywhere. And watching, I don't know if you guys have watched it, the new the City documentary that's come out, um, all or nothing if no, you've had not the chance it yet. yet. No. I've yeah, watched about four or five episodes and fuck me, it's impressive. It's such a good watch. You don't yeah. have to be a Man City fan to to appreciate it. And see no, I'm looking forward to it, I've just not watched it yet. Yeah, yeah, really good. And Pep is so unbelievably passionate. Yeah. Like you you not because of his English and English not being his first language, but you have to watch it with subtitles on. Because he's right. so passionate and so enthusiastic, it's like he's trying to get six sentences out of his mouth at once. And it's just right. crazy. Just absolutely crazy. Nice. Yeah, that's definitely on my to-watch list. I'm excited to get a chance at that because I've heard really good things. Obviously, I'm p- playing a bit of devil's advocate here, right? Because it's not fun for all, all of us to just sit here and be like, yep, City are great. City are going to win. There's nothing to do. Um, that makes for a very short podcast. But I do... <laughs> a very correct podcast, though. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, sure. But I I don't think that that's completely disingenuous to say that there are other teams that can also push City to the last day of the season by just beating the majority of other games and other teams all the way through. I think that the top three teams this season are going to finish with very high points totals, and it's going to be, you know, very, very small margins as far as who wins the title. So in terms of that, apart from Liverpool, do you see going by let's say the other top teams and saying Chelsea and Arsenal who are playing in a massively new way and kind of still a little bit of unknowns in the league. Do you think those are the teams that could push? Uh, not Arsenal. Not Arsenal because of they don't have the right players for the system. I think that that was really evident in both of the matches, not just against a City where they were genuinely bad, but also against Chelsea where they were better, but they still got outplayed. And, and I think Chelsea were a bit lucky, um, but they still overall deserve to win that match I think Chelsea rode their luck a lot because you look at the highlights from that game and you had Mkhitaryan, Aubameyang and Iwobi in a very short space of time in the first half just skying the ball from pretty much the the centre circle sorry the penalty spot yeah and so it was possible in that game that it could have finished five it could have been five two at half time and actually you know speaking about that game yeah that was your first live experience at Chelsea Oscar Yes, it was. Yeah, that was pretty amazing to be there. Um, not bad, eh? Fucking crazy. It was so. It was like the best day ever. Um, but being there, the energy was just magical. Like it was just a really, really, really amazing day. Nah, that's pretty. You can't. I said to you at the time, like I texted you. You can't really ask for more. First time you see the team you support. It's at home. It's a derby. You see tons of goals and you win. Yeah, it was great and a late goal at that. Right, eighty-first minute. Pretty. Yeah. Pretty awesome. Um, but I, but you talk about Chelsea riding their luck. They had more XG generated in that match. And especially in the second half, Arsenal only generated 0.1 XG in the entire second half. Um, Chelsea just, just dominated the second half, especially after Hazard and Kovacic came on. Yeah. Yeah. You could tell the game changed after that. And that was the first time I think for the last 
half hour or so of that match that Chelsea had their actual preferred 11 all out on the pitch at the same time um, with a midfield of Conte, Jorginho, and Kovacic. Is that the first time Kovacic's been on, is it? Yeah, it was his debut. Yeah. And he was electric. He was 41 for 41, I believe, on passing, 100% pass completion rate, um, several successful take-ons. And just more than anything, like every time he was on the ball, you could see the other players moving around him. You could see it progressing and opening up space. Um, I think he and Jorginho, alongside Conte in the midfield, could genuinely... Like, I, I know I'm a Chelsea fan, and so everyone's going to think I'm overhyping them, but I heard the two mics on the Double Pivot podcast, Mike Goodman, Mike Haley, saying this. So I, I stand by this take, because it's come from smarter people than me, that Chelsea could genuinely have the best central midfield in the world if those three guys gel as they could. And you saw glimpses of that. And then obviously Hazard coming on in place of Willian, who Willian is good, but like Hazard is light years above him. I don't think that's disrespectful to say in any way. And having Hazard and Alonso with a lot of freedom to move around because the midfield covers so much. Um, and that was the winning goal. Just Hazard took out eight. There was eight Arsenal defenders in the box. And Hazard took them all out with a dribble and a pass and finds Alonso and Alonso puts it away. For a winner in the 81st minute. Like, yeah. I think Chelsea are starting to click sooner than anyone expected them to with the sorry ball system. Um, I think you could very clearly see in the last 15 minutes of the first half where if they don't do a good job with it, it will spectacularly come fall apart because they just let Arsenal have chance after chance. They were pressing not quite as aggressively as they had been. When it does click, I think they could be up there with Liverpool and City and be the third team, quote unquote. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. You you say about it kind of failing. Do you think Chelsea, it's from a defensive kind of view that that's where that's going to happen and that potentially Chelsea could become Liverpool of the previous few seasons where just all they're trying to do is just outscore the other team? Yeah, that's my fear slash excitement as a fan, honestly, because it's been a few <laughs> years since we saw a Chelsea team just go all out in attack because I think that is going to be what it is. Where they fail is going to be defensively. Sorry, system requires an insane amount of energy and running from oh, everybody yeah. pressing. And so the moment they take the pedal off at all, um, you just get cut back, teams cutting into behind because it's a high line system. Um, kind of like Arsenal, actually. Arsenal look like what Chelsea could be if they do a terrible job. Arsenal have not looked good. They're pressing, but not well. Um, they're playing a high line with slow center backs. Yeah, that's horrible to watch. Like they're just going to get caught out so much this season because it's not even playing the high line and defending from the front. It's like you you need to have you can't just have Bellerin as your fast guy back there. Yeah, because it doesn't work, and he's not the best defender. He's super rapid, of course, but and when when you've got Arsenal, who you can question the work rate of some of the players they've got up there, namely Özil, mm. and Mkhitaryan for that matter. Yeah, Mkhitaryan. That they're not those people that are going to really, really press from the front and take the pressure off of that back line who are advancing so much up. Similar, but not as bad like I've seen from West Ham. West Ham so yeah. far this year look like they're really disjointed in that way and it's like the forwards are playing one game and the defence are playing another. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Callum Wilson's goal against them this week was appalling. Like he just kind of jogs through five West Ham defenders. And then nutmegs the keeper. Just embarrassing from that team. Just to drop in another team talking about their West Ham looks shocking. Yeah, I mean, we talked when we did our preview way back when of 
Chelsea maybe not having the right players for the Sari system in certain positions, and they went out and basically signed the guys that they needed. Yeah. And it turns out Pedro is actually perfect for the right wing in the Sari system, which I had no <laughs> idea. That's really surprised me, but he's been a revelation. Like, he's been fantastic. Yeah, him him, and also Kante play a more advanced as well, which yeah. makes yeah. sense. Which makes sense because he is probably one of the fittest guys in the Prem. Yeah, he like never he can gets just tired. run and run and run and run and run. And he and the great thing with him is, is that you know he could press from the front, um, and and really push and and kind of put pressure on defenses or midfields deeper in in the opposition half to give the chance for someone like Hazard to nick the ball off someone or Kovacic as well, play it out wide and then they can whip it in. I can't even begin to convey how excited I was at watching Kovacic play that half hour in the stadium. It was electric. Every time he got on the ball, the stadium had a buzz around it, and you could feel everyone sort of tense up, ready to cheer that something good was about to happen. Um, and he wanted the ball. The kid loves the ball at his feet, and I think that's going to help out Hazard so much. He bloody loves balls. <laughs> <laughs> but I think if Chelsea do have the right players for the system, and they are starting to click already, and so if I was the rest of the league, I would be afraid of that. Arsenal don't at all. At all. No, they still haven't played. I mean, the only new signing who's really featured for them so far is Socrates. Right. Um, they want to play out from the back and check did did that horrendous almost own goal. Yeah, I saw um, that. For Arsenal, <laughs> which is embarrassing. Yeah. And they're like, we're just playing wayward passes everywhere. And yeah, yeah, like, yeah. God bless him. It, you know, he's, you can't teach an old dog new tricks like that. <laughs> and so I'm no. surprised that Leno hasn't been brought in already. Um, Torreira as well should be in there. You know, I always refer back to it, that famous interview with Troy Deeney, where he's very close to saying Arsenal had no fucking bollocks. But he catches himself. <laughs> he catches himself mid-interview because it's live TV and goes mid no uh, cojones. <laughs> and, and, and and because they did they, they had they had no nothing about them they you know you could just bully them and boss them about even these big guys there was the goal Aguero in the FA Cup final maybe where he's more advanced than Mustafi and Mustafi backs into him Aguero leans back and just Mustafi bounces off him looking for a foul and Aguero runs him one-on-one and and scores and so that's what Arsenal really need um, Aubameyang still looks good, but you know, obviously hasn't really kicked off this season. But they've got a good run of fixtures coming up. Yeah, I think. Yeah, they do. That's their only saving grace, really. You know, it's fuck, man. For for Emery, it's you've got a feel for the guy. Like it's so tough changing twenty years of habits or, or around a whole club or an ethic around the club. Trying to implement a system in just a few weeks, changing around a few players, and then your first two teams are the best team, one of the best teams in Europe. And Chelsea, who have got an incredible new manager, and exactly like you said, Oscar, are playing very exciting attacking football. So I think the first two games are can be a bit of a gimme for them. And now we you really need to see something from Arsenal. If yeah. they don't click, if they don't click this week against West Ham, especially as it's West Ham, like that's a big, big warning sign for me. Yeah, and I think you do give Arsenal a bit of a pass, given that their opponents were City and Chelsea. Like those, yeah. Are- Really, really tough opponents. But the bigger concern to me is not that they lost, because you would kind of expect that, especially Chelsea at home and City just being City. But the way that they went about it and how much of a like disjoint fit the players are for the system that they're trying to do. Like, I love Petr Cech. I, I fucking love him. 
Um, it was actually really cool to see in the stadium. He got a huge standing ovation when he came out for warmups and when they said his name in the Arsenal lineup. And this is a few seasons later. Like, he's still a Chelsea legend and they're still clapping him on. Um, which, like, when you compare that to Cesc Fabregas getting booed at yeah, it's the fairly Emirates rare these year. days, yeah. Yeah, but Chelsea fans, like, know how much he was to us. Yeah. And, like, when we won the Champions League, everything. Like, he, yeah. he got a no, huge ovation. I think as much of, you know, how football fans can be, if you mm. leave a team on good terms after you've done so much, then yeah. that that always yeah. happens and it is really nice. And I think to bring it back to City, you know, you look at when Pep Guardiola came in, their defense struggled that first season a whole lot. And you then you see like the starting defense for City in their, these last two matches, transfer value, they're all new. They're all like within the last couple of years, they were bought by Guardiola. And you add up the value and it's like 225 million, 250 million for their starting four defenders. Mendy was 50 plus. Stones was about 50. Kyle Walker was like 70 or something. I don't even remember exactly what I it was. I think Kyle Walker was about 60. But yeah. fuck me, Mendy is worth every penny. Yes, that's where I was going to go with this. You look at them and they spent so much money and it fits perfectly for what Pep Guardiola wants to do. And it is like Benjamin Mendy adds a whole new dimension to them. He's, he's a new signing because obviously he was so injured for so long last year. Yeah. Like he started off and he looked great. And yep. now he's had a whole year of being around the club, knowing what it's about, getting, you know, all the stuff on Twitter is fantastic. And it just shows, he, obviously it shows his character as well, but he's so settled, so, so settled there. And he absolutely loves it. So he's really bought into Pep's system. And then for a year of being around that tactics, knowing what they're about, he can just come in. So he's effectively a new signing who instantly knows what the fuck he has to do. Yeah. Which, which is different to what, say, Arsenal have had and what Chelsea have had. Because they've had new signings come in with a change of manager. Right. And even if Sarri has worked worked with uh, Jorginho before, he, Jorginho doesn't know what all of the Chelsea players are about and what they can do. Right. But fuck me, Mendy is just a beast on the left. Well, and not only does he come in and fit harmoniously with everyone around him, but I think he genuinely adds a new dimension to City's attack that they did not have before. Because yeah. he is a fantastic crosser of the ball, and he can place it on a dime... When the other teams are defending with a low block, so specifically when they Mm -hmm. have like two banks of four sitting deep saying, all right, hit us from distance or hit us with a cross. I think he is that cross that they were maybe lacking. Like De Bruyne can do that, but he was playing more centrally for them. Yeah. yeah. Um, And Mendy just adds a whole different dimension. Like that's the most terrifying thing to me from watching these two city matches is, is that they might legitimately be better than they were last year, which is fucking crazy. And all they've done is added Mares. <laughs> like, that's effectively right. all they've done. They've added Mares. Yeah. Well, and like you said, Mendy being sort of like a new signing. Yeah. Have you seen Mendy's heat maps for the two games? Oh, yeah. He is. I haven't actually, no. A stimmers, why don't you tell us <laughs> well, about it? I mean, he's hugging the corner flag. I mean, he's like unbelievable. It's so far forward. And yeah, I mean, he's like you say, he's been, abso- he's been absolutely incredible. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you said he puts he puts those crosses on a dime, but he's he's hitting them first time and he's hitting them early, which attackers absolutely love, and I can tell you, defenders hate, like yep. they hate that because you don't have time to set and know where the other players are and think when they just whip that ball in, you know, for those playing fantasy football, I was um, just going to mention that. Yeah, he's incredible, and he got he ended up being given two assists this weekend. He did. Yeah. Um, you had one where the ball bounced off, and people were arguing about it. But I think effectively, 
if you look at it for him creating what happened, he basically had four assists. Four. Four of City's six goals, he made them. Yeah. So whether it was it's by terrifying. whipping in crosses early or just powering through people, yeah. like literally just so religiously running through Huddersfield. I know. And then when you think fantastic. about the fact that like Sterling and Sané haven't even really come in yet for City. Yeah. Well, he's keeping Sané out of the team. Sané only yeah. got in Man City's team last year because Mendy was out and was playing as that left wing back, wing back in a five. Sané isn't going to get a look in if this carries on. No, not at all. Like they're They're a terrifying team. I'm curious to see how it goes later when the Champions League and the FA Cup start coming in because they're going to want to try to go for yeah. a treble. They're good enough that they should be aspiring for a treble. And anything yeah. less than that is not obviously a failure, um, but would be disappointing on some level to their hierarchy and even their fans. They've wanted the Champions League for so long now. Yeah. Like the owners and stuff. And it's something that no matter how good the City team has been, they haven't achieved. Yeah, it's about time and all, yeah. Yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised if uh, it's tough to know, tough to call this because of how competitive they are and how they want to be and literally just want to win everything. But I wouldn't be surprised if they binned off the League Cup and the FA Cup this year and just went for League and Champions League. Yeah, Mm. maybe. Um, They very much remind me of Chelsea of 10 years ago, where they have spent an absurd amount of money on a coach and players to fit that coach's belief and system and style. Um, and they've kind of done everything domestically that they want to. Chelsea kind of culminating 2010 with the league and FA Cup double. First time they had ever done that. And now they're eyeing Europe as like the big, big thing. Hell yes. So contrasting to the other side of the city. Yes, exactly what I was going <laughs> to say. So City, you're going to probably win. But United, oof. Fuck me. Oh boy. Wow. I mean, I'm just gonna say it. As a as a this weekend, like I am a staunch Palace fan, which means I hate Brighton. And I loved the fact that Brighton won. And I, I don't care what anyone thinks. Like I hate Brighton by birth, but I hate United <laughs> and Mourinho by choice. And it's so <laughs> fucking great. Just to see them not just all that money, all that everything, the special one. Sorry, Oscar, to show <laughs> no, your no, memories no. of Mourinho. But what the fuck? It is sad to watch him now. It was it, even like the second time around at Chelsea. Like that 14-15 team was dominant, but it's very much like watching an ex-girlfriend who just lost her mind afterward like you guys were together and you're like you know we had good times but now you're just a train wreck and like i can't even enjoy it bitches be crazy yeah it's just really really bad like dude is like he you know who he is (laughs) he's britney spears when she shaved off her hair and attacked that car with the umbrella yes that's what just be worried if you just be worried if you stop seeing jose wearing short sleeves like, if he starts wearing long sleeves, like, people need to have a sit-down talk with him, because... Yeah. That's dark. He, <laughs> That's dark. It's dark, but like, everything about him, he just looks like a man who genuinely is just depressed. Yeah, yeah, and Even yeah, this yeah. week, after the Brighton loss, he stood there, and after all the slagging off he's done of his players and what have you, he stands there in the interview and goes, I, I'm not going to speak about my players when they play badly now. You want me to speak about them and, and say bad things. So I think I'll only say things when they do well or do this. So I prefer in this moment not to speak. You're like, 
But that in itself is you slagging off your players. Because <laughs> yeah. you're saying, I'm not going to say anything. It's like, my mum told me if you can't say anything nice, don't say anything. <laughs> yeah, him, and, Pogba, and Ed Woodward have all done the same move yeah. in the last two weeks in the media. Because Pogba the week before came out and was like, they were like, what's your relationship like with Mourinho? And he was like, you know, if I say what I want to say, I'll probably get fined. So, moving yeah. on. And it's and, like, and Woodward too. Like, the three of them, it, it's just such a bad situation over there, man. Like, it's so bad. I fucking love it because I hate Manchester United <laughs> so much. Yeah. They're the team I hate the most of any sports, like, even more than the Boston Red Sox because I am, grew up a Yankees fan. I am a Yankees fan. But, like, fuck Man United. And this is yeah. delightful. Like, they are so, so, so bad. And, like, just it, listening to Mourinho's press conference was like listening to Eeyore give a press conference with a Portuguese accent. <laughs> <laughs> right? Uh. Yeah. Hi, boy. Okay. Like, like, he's, like, so sad. Like a, like a mix between Eeyore and Snuffy from Sesame Street. <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. just fucked. But it's, it's, it's not even just those three, because have you seen the stuff that Pogba's agent came out with yesterday? No, what did he say? So he's on Twitter, and I can't remember exactly what he was talking about, but it's obviously something to do with Paul Scholes, because he put on Twitter, like, Paul Scholes should become sports director and advise Woodward to sell Pogba would be sleepless nights to find Pogba a new club. Like, Jesus what, Christ. What the fuck does that even mean? Like, it's just, everything is is such a, just a colossal mess When someone's there. advocating and, for Paul Scholes to be in a position of power and making decisions with his brain, <laughs> like, that yeah. is just bad. And Mourinho complaining, like, oh, he doesn't have any good centre-backs, he needed to buy centre-backs. The, the two centre-backs he played against Brighton, he bought. Yeah, <laughs> he bought yeah. Lindelof and he bought Bay. Like, it's bad. You're it's really you're upset because you can't play Smalling and Jones. Like something's so, gone wrong. Do we have him in the sack race at the in the lead right now? Is there any hope to turn it around there? Like, I can't see it. I just there's no. I don't even think United fans have any positives. I'd like to know. Same as we asked about Spurs fans earlier. I'd love to hear from some United fans and find out like. What do you actually feel right now? Because especially as it's such an alien time for United, you know, most United fans, especially around our age, will only know United winning fucking everything. And now they have a a depressed manager, an owner who's angry, players kicking off. It's so bad. Like, I'm pulling up, but okay, let's try to come at it from the other angle, though. Like, are there any positives? Um, they've actually got their own stadium, unlike Spurs. Okay. Um, well, so I'm pulling up Kaylee graphics right now on Twitter, right? Against Brighton, they lost three to two, but on rough XG sum, they actually had a more, they had a better performance than Brighton did. It was 1.1 plus a penalty to 0.9 plus a penalty. Granted, that's basically a draw. That's basically one, one with one penalty to each. Yeah. Mm. Um, but that's not like a complete and horrible loss. Like, and Pogba has looked better, I guess, than he did last year. Like, he's the captain. He scored a penalty. He's been out and about, moving around. Mm. Yeah, speaking in a kind of news way, like a lot of people have been saying about Pogba leaving. I don't think Pogba will leave United. No, I I think Mourinho will get, like, gone. He is easily the favourite based on the bookies I'm looking at here, closely followed by Rafa Benitez, but yeah. Yeah, and Rafa Benitez, you know, I I said before, but 
Rafa Benitez will be like him going through choice as opposed yeah. to actually getting sacked. Yeah, yeah. The 2005 Champions League semi-final weeps at that news. <laughs> Remember when Liverpool and City really and uh, Chelsea were like the two teams? Yeah. Man. Hey, you you called it earlier like about Liverpool and Chelsea being the ones to push City, so... You know, it's not far off those times. And at that time, there wasn't really as much like domination of one team. It's just, unfortunately, now with Chelsea and Liverpool being good, City are amazing. Yeah, City, I mean, City are the best team. Like I, you know, but it it drives the the thing with that is is it drives those clubs to get better players, and and thus it makes the league more exciting. You know, you saying earlier about oh, it'd be a bit of shit podcast, all just saying like Man City are going to win, but it means that all those other teams actually push and fight and go for it. So we get more excitement at all the ends of the table. And it's, you know, how many seasons in a row has it been? Well, end of the day, like last two weeks of the season, all we're looking at is who's going to get relegated, maybe. Yeah. Mm. You know, the champions have, have already been done. And so creating that competition again, people bemoan the kind of top six um, or whatever. But this year, I think it is a top three. You got yeah, City, Liverpool, and Chelsea, and then next you got Arsenal, United, and and Spurs, who, like we said, haven't bought anyone, um, don't have the stadium, although you know they know Wembley better. I think they're going to suffer maybe around Christmas time, once the schedule gets really compacted and multiple games, international duty for a lot of their players, as we know. Kane Kane looks leggy. Kane and Ali. I've heard yeah, a lot of people I know say he Ali's scored, like really he finally good. scored in August, but he looks tired, man. And it's like the yeah. second week of the season. Like mm. That's not good for them. He had no break. He came back from the World Cup. His kid was born. And then he he came back to training, I think, three or four days before Spurs' first game. I know. It's crazy. And, like, yeah. you compare that to Hazard, who's played a total of, like, 37 minutes I think it is between the two matches from the World Cup or even more you know overwhelmingly if you look at the French League uh, which obviously had a lot of semi-finalists and finalists only one player has played and it's only been a total of seven minutes from anyone who was at a semi-final or later at the World Cup in Ligue 1 and then you look wow. at the Spurs team and they have been running out their guys and like yeah. England was there late they were just as they played just as many games as France, England, France, Belgium. Like that's that's their team. That's, that's why they had Spurs. nine people yeah. in the last four. And it also, you know, the the not buying new players thing. It's not just about getting new people in and improving your first eleven by having starters. It's also about creating competition for those places and getting a bit of a rocket up your ass. Now, for someone like Hazard, he's got to prove. It sounds weird to say this because I don't think he really does have to prove himself. He has to prove himself to a new manager and also have all these new signings come in and just go, no, I know what I'm doing. I can do this with you and, and lead the lead the way, represent Chelsea of the of the old older years and drive these people on and, and know that there is competition for his space. Yeah, if you're playing absolutely. for Spurs, there's there's no competition for the front four, really. Like I guess if Lucas you're Kane, Mora, like... if you're Kane, Lorente's not fucking pushing you out. If you're Ericsson, yeah. you're not getting dropped. If you're Ali, you're not getting dropped. Yeah. So what does it matter? Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Although, they, I mean, the only silver lining or flip side of that is that they don't need the transition time 
that an Arsenal or a Chelsea do that we've been talking about. Like, there's no, there's nothing new there. They know who they are. They know how to do it, and they they do have six points from two matches. Like, yeah, but they they haven't looked great in those matches. I haven't. No, I don't disagree. felt that confident from them. You know, the game against Newcastle, they easily could have lost. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Peter Peter have just won their fourth league game with a last minute penalty. Oh, live update. <laughs> <laughs> Not live. We'll score, we'll give us the name. I got a live. Yeah, it'd be about two days late, but come on. Can we talk about Peterborough? You just said fourth win on the road. Where are yeah, Peterborough I, in the I league? I do want to hear a little bit about Peterborough. Just give us like the five minute scoop. I've got. No, I can't give you five minutes. I've not been to a okay, match the, yet. The sixty <laughs> second scoop. <laughs> Things Ian Wait. said on his wedding night. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but all, so, so far league wise, hundred percent record. Four games, four wins, top of the league. It's a lovely old job, but yeah, I'm hoping to get to a few more games in the coming months. But uh, no, I've been I've been seeing yet, so I can't give you any uh, any sort of analysis. But uh, yeah, have you not? happy with that so far? No, not yet. No. Ah, oh, it's a shame. Been a busy summer booked, so far. To be yeah. fair, I booked I booked my t- ticket for the Palace game against Southampton next week, so yeah? I'm, I'm happy about that. Yeah, I was a bit. Well, I wasn't even drunk actually. I was just sitting there and... and <laughs> I love how you're so surprised. You're like, actually, yeah. well, I wasn't you know, even drunk. I wasn't even drunk. No, this is leading into this, that I sat on my computer and then, you know, you have to buy membership to a club to buy a game. So, like, bought the membership and then yeah. bought the game ticket and sorted that out and then went to the club shop and I was like, oh, I'll get the shirt. And then I've got my daughter in the way. So I was like, I'm going to buy her a first Palace kit now. <laughs> Nice. So I spent about 130 Brilliant. quid sitting there at like 10.30 at night to get a Palace ticket and two shirts. Dude, it was so dangerous. We So for our match at Sanford Bridge, the easiest way, well, not the easiest way, but like one of the ways that was easier for us to get tickets was just to do the overnight hotel hospitality package because we figured we'd need a hotel in London anyway. That guarantees us tickets. It gets us good seats, so, all, all this other stuff, right? So we're staying at the hotel in the fucking stadium. Like, from our hotel room, we were watching the players drive away after the match, and all the fans, like, mob them. And we were just sitting, like, on our balcony being, like, you know, sipping beers and just watching the players drive by. It was really fucking cool. But that also meant that we got early access to the club's store. And we just, like, it was so dangerous. Because we just went in there and we were like, let's just go see. Maybe they have something we like. Who knows? And then, like... <laughs> is, is Chelsea's club store one of those massive mega stores? Yeah, it's you could be in there for, like, 20 floors. hours. And literally anything you can imagine, there is a Chelsea brand of it. That is correct. And we own all of it. <laughs> we own everything. I'm, I'm looking at a Chelsea wall clock. I bought a magnet. I bought a puffy winter coat. I bought a raincoat for when it's like a um a gilet um and etc anyway so it was a good it was dangerous we stayed what else did you buy we'll we'll talk in what else did you buy oscar i didn't buy what you're referring to in the store i bought it on the street after the match but chuck is very angry at me oscar i bought one of those half and half scarves that says chelsea v arsenal august 18 or whatever the date was 2018 stanford bridge yeah and apparently that's like so talking of like English versus American culture and not knowing different <laughs> things about each other. I guess that's a big taboo over there because the two of you were giving me so much shit on the group chat about buying a half and half scarf. I see nothing wrong with it, so Well, would you would you buy an Arsenal shirt? No, but I would buy a poster that says Chelsea versus Arsenal 
And it's the same thing. I'm not going to wear the fucking scarf. I'm going to hang it up on my wall as a memento of the time I was at Stamford Bridge. Like, Got half an Arsenal scarf on your wall, mate. <laughs> Just saying. Oh, dear. Stimmers, where do you fall on this? Do you do you think half and half scarves are an abomination? Or? Yeah, I mean, you're everything that's wrong with the game. Okay. <laughs> Plastic fan. <laughs> you're the reason La Liga's doing their games away. <laughs> but, I mean, I am literally American. Oh, literally, yeah. I am the money that they want, so yes. <laughs> No, I, uh, it's a scarf about the match. It's not a scarf about the Arsenal team. Like I'm, anyway. Um, so on that note, that wraps it up for part one. I think it seems like we're all still really strong on City. Not so much yeah. on Arsenal. Chelsea look good. United look like they're going to fire Mourinho at any minute. Peterborough are going to win the league at a at a romp. So canter. Can I can at I just give an honourable mention? Yeah. To a team. Um. I, I think Fulham, even though they've lost both games, I think Fulham have looked great. I don't know if you guys have watched at all um, or seen any of their games, but against Palace, like they looked really promising um, when they were attacking. Um, and against Spurs, I thought they looked really good as well. Uh, I think that's a team that, that will do well this year. I'd be surprised if they went down now. I haven't caught any of their matches, but from what I've read, they look pretty good. Or like, Though it does look like they were having... Trouble integrating Sherla, I think, from what I read. Yeah, well, just in general, like they had so many. So when they played Palace the first game of the season, they had seven new signings in their starting eleven. Yeah, that's three tough. of them. Three of them were the defense, one goalkeeper as well. So like like with Arsenal, they'll have some bedding in time. But I don't really have any worries for Fulham this year. Okay, just wanted to cool. put that in there. And Burnley, I do worry about for the amount they're playing, and they're not yeah. looking great. Yeah, they don't score yeah. Burnley. They're definitely not going to finish where they finished last season. No, not so much. All right, cool. So that'll wrap it up for part one. Uh, We'll take a short break and we'll see you guys in a bit. Welcome back to Miles Offside Podcast, where we've been talking about the last two weeks of fixtures. Um, we had a little bit of a gap because our esteemed colleague Oscar, he went on a little bit of a European tour and um, we actually got to meet up. Um, for me, it was the third time I've met you, um, twice at home, once away for me. Um, <laughs> and it was actually the first time that Oscar and Ian had met, um, which yeah, is quite strange. But next year, we're going to do the fixtures in America. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You just that, that, that is a good idea. I'm okay with that. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, no, it's good. I mean, it's 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 a weird one uh, because me and Oscar didn't actually speak until episode one, and then we met after episode ten. So uh, it was it was quite a weird way uh, we've met each other, really, Oscar. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. On a scale of one to ten, with ten being the first time, the excitement that you felt the first time you made love. And one being the inevitable disappointment that your partner felt on that night. How was it meeting up for the first time? Well, when we made love, it was a 10. I, I thought so too. <laughs> very gentle. Very, very gentle. Feeling a bit left out, lads. Not going to lie. <laughs> yeah, well, you, you, two, you two have had your moment. Yeah. Yeah. Well, many and don't, don't think we didn't see you watching from the corner there. <laughs> No, it was quite fun. We all got together in London. We got a few drinks in the Covent Garden area. Um, we went out to dinner. Chuck found a good restaurant for us. And we all just kind of like chatted about everything. Our 
beautiful and wonderful significant others were in tow, um, which really stole the show. Like <laughs> the three of us just. Yeah, I think I think for a little while they were a bit upset that we were all watching Man United Sunderland from like 1958 or something <laughs> that was on in the corner at the Maple Leaf. It was like. Yeah, I don't think they were too impressed with us being somehow glued to a black and white match. Yeah, that was weird, wasn't it? It was like, it was on BBC Sport 2 or something, and they played like a Liverpool match from like the late 80s, early 90s. And then it, and then all of a sudden you turn around. Yeah, yeah, Liverpool Forest. Um, And then, yeah, it just switched to like Man United Sunderland. Um, But it was a hell of a match. I mean, you know, and and I had a fiver (laughs) riding on the outcome, so. But yeah, it was really, really, really fun to meet up, and we met up with a few of friends of ours who we'd known for a few years and played like fantasy football and draft with um, in a few places in centre of town. We got refused entry from somewhere because Oscar was wearing a football oh, yeah. shirt. It was great. We got That's the right. we got the full London experience. All yeah, you, you really did. Yeah, all you needed was a bird pissing on your shoes and buying a kebab, and you were there. Like... <laughs> um, but yeah, it was genuinely delightful hanging out with you guys and like seeing everybody. Um, and, and just talking about our teams, talking about our lives. Like It wasn't just World Cup and football and all that. I mean, obviously, that was in there a lot, as well as more than a few drinks, which was pretty cool. Yeah. So that was that was sandwiched in the middle of a trip to Paris for you. Yeah, um, that's right. And like you saw some really cool places over there, obviously, because Paris is beautiful. And you had an incredible spreadsheet. Yes. Schedule. Oh, the spreadsheet was so beautiful. That is incredible. I messed up Ian's life because I showed his wife the spreadsheet and she was like, oh, you need to plan our vacations this way. (laughs) Well, yeah, if I'm ever vacationing with her again, because she is incredibly organized as well. I like our calendars are synced on our phone, so I have to do nothing other than look at my phone and turn up. And then we were talking to your wife and it turns out she does exactly the same thing because you plan everything to the letter as well and yeah your my my wife thought your spreadsheet was a thing of beauty and i thought she's gone i've lost her <laughs> I've totally yeah. lost her if by yeah. episode one was the first time you spoke episode 10 <laughs> was the same time you met episode 100's my divorce <laughs> <laughs> but but so you had two days in london right yeah i had one two days day in london and then 10 us. days in paris one day meeting us second day going to chelsea which one? Oh, oh, that's <laughs> Don't mean. Don't be ridiculous, Chuck. That's an evil question. But no, it's Chelsea. Fuck you guys. <laughs> Not even. Yeah, it's weirdly, instant. I'll accept that as the correct answer. I'd say yeah, if it was meeting fine. us, and you're a dick. I mean, I I did turn to my wife and I distinctly said at the end of the match when Chelsea had just won and we were just kind of taking it all in in the stadium, we lingered for about a half an hour until yeah. the, pe- the people were like, "You need to leave. You can't just stay here." Did they kick? Did they actually kick you out? Yeah, they said, "All right, guys, you got to clear out," kind of thing. Um, okay, because they needed to start cleaning and stuff. Like we were literally like one of the last like couple couple hundred people in there, and it was all like the tourists who had never been before taking pictures and just like yeah. sitting. Um, but I turned to her as soon as the final whistle blew, and I said, "This has probably been the most magical night of my life." And she goes, "Oh yeah, not our wedding." <laughs> and I was like, "And your and your response was." said oh no of course no she knows she knows what's up um <laughs> it's chelsea wow it's chelsea it's always chelsea i love her but like the, well okay that was a joke obviously 
But joking aside, like you do build up to a wedding and you're so busy Ian, you'll know this, like it, you're so running around like a madman on the night of that, like, it's such a haze. You don't particularly remember that much of it. And you you just feel so like you're just moving along. The date was in my calendar. So I just turned up. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah, it's absolutely fine. But that like, I don't know, I, I took a nice moment to drink it all in. And like I sat and just looked around at the empty stadium and breathed deeply the air and was like, this is a moment. I will remember this for always. Awesome. And then I went out and bought a half and half scarf. So, yeah. <laughs> you fucking prick! You had to ruin that. Uh, just spoil your little anecdote there. Ian, do you do you remember the first time you went to see Peterborough? Um, I do because my dad was a Luton fan and he took me to see them because Luton were playing. So <laughs> it was a case of uh, I can't remember when it was, but yeah, Luton were playing at Peterborough because we lived in Peterborough since when I was two. So uh, yeah. That's the first time he took me. Uh, it's a purely selfish way to watch his own uh, his own team. Oh, amazing! <laughs> yeah, but but I think before that, I'd probably been to Luton home games because uh, he'd taken me to them. So yeah. So how old were you when you went to your first game then? Oh, I must have been about six, probably. Okay. I yeah, guess. I, I think yeah. I was about the same. Like when I went to my first Palace game, I think I was five or six. Do you come from a family of Palace fans, or so? My dad's a Palace fan. Um, his dad is a Millwall fan because he, he he used to play for Millwall, like through the youth system and stuff like that, and then had like a leg break. This is in like the 50s or so. Then, But on my mum's side, my uncle and my granddad are Palace fans. And my granddad at one point was not part of the board, but I'm sure he was, he was something like quite high up to do with Palace. Like kind of part of like the chairman's or, or something like that is this the same one that invented twix no i was gonna say is... <laughs> fuck off <laughs> no he wasn't like director of the club because he used to be like a oh, body taking board meetings munching on twixes <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> next thing he's gonna tell us is that he invented the yo-yo <laughs> Oh, we've upset it. <laughs> I wasn't going to mention that you kept shitting yourself in London, but now... <laughs> fucking prick. Uh, all bets are off. Yeah. yeah. I did, for yeah. the record, listeners, I didn't shit myself. I was I had a stomach bug and I had to keep going to the bathroom every five minutes. But nothing no, happened in my pants. My, cl- my clothes were perfectly clean by the end of the night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. And I was sick before we went to the Mexican restaurant, so it wasn't even that. Yeah, after you've taken, like, four Imodium. Oh, my God. <laughs> You're never yeah. going to shit again. <laughs> it didn't stop anything. <laughs> the Imodium, they do nothing. <laughs> I told you that you were putting them in the wrong end. <laughs> <laughs> They're not a suppository. All right, and on that note, let's move on to some listener questions, yeah? Yeah, you've heard enough about us. Let's hear from from the outside world, the people who the, the people who world. enable this shit. <laughs> yeah, if you're still listening, yeah, if you're still listening um, in Ian's segment. What what's yeah, going I'll, on? I'll take the drop off in listeners. It's fine. We'll transition from my bowel movements to the shit that's on Twitter. <laughs> God, Twitter's but, fucking horrible, isn't it? Oh. But we love you guys. Thank you for listening and sending in your questions. Cheers, guys. Continue to do so. Retweet. Uh, We're really all over the place, aren't we? Losing all Twitter followers. 
Losing all Man United fans. All 12 of them. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we have had a couple. So, um, I, I like this one. Emily Drennan says, if your life depended on it, which current Premier League player would you choose to represent you in a fight to the death? No weapons allowed. What? Why does everyone ask us questions about fighting <laughs> and death? And... <laughs> I don't know. We do yeah, have a very a violent one. listenership. Yeah, I know. I'm really. <laughs> Is it after they listen or before? <laughs> I, you know, I don't actually know. <laughs> I mean, that sounds like a clear reference to Game of Thrones. Um, trial by combat, having a a champion like um, Tywin, not Tywin, uh, the little one, Tyrion. Tyrion. Tyrion never fights his own trial by combat and stuff. Yes. Well, Michael Cayley, who is my favorite soccer writer, shout out to Michael Cayley. Um, was tweeting, had this tweet to say one day ago, as of the time of recording. Quote, the entire point of Sorloth is trucking dudes in open field. Playing him as a penalty box striker and denying us the awe at his unitness is and should be punished as a war crime. To which I tweeted, does he score a perfect 100 for AUR, absolute unit rating, or is there someone who is more absolute and greater unit? <laughs> oh my god. And you look up a picture of this guy, he is terrifying looking he Who, looks like a Sirloth. pure viking yeah sorloth sorloth I, I i think it's pronounced sirlot fuck i'm gonna get this wrong now that's like the norwegian way of saying it he is norwegian so he has viking blood in him right he's descended of vikings he looks like he could play thor in the next marvel <laughs> movie mate i i said before like he's fucking ivan drago like he is he's an absolute beast like you see him play and he's like six foot five and after the after the Liverpool game yesterday, um I heard him speak for the first time and he is so well spoken. Like his yeah. English is flawless. Like that man gets women. <laughs> well he also gets me as my pick for my champion in combat. Oh he'd be your champion? Ah oh, damn. Now I feel like I've lost out. <laughs> um who could you go for um someone that's like an absolute animal i mean jack wilshire tried to bite maron fellini's nipple off one time <laughs> <laughs> do you remember jack, that jack wilshire jack wilshire is just like he's just a terrier in human form like he'd be he'd like wind you up a bit and just yap 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 but never really be able to do anything fellini wouldn't be bad actually like he's all elbows yeah, like he'd bring he's the thunder. Too. Yeah, he is quite tall. Maybe Fellaini. And also because like he'd bring the hair, the hair close, and no one want to get in there. That's true, and it adds cushion whenever someone tries to hit him on the head. Yeah, and you don't know what you're gonna find. Like there might be like some woodland creatures, or like you know just something like nestled in his hair. Easy place to hide and... a shiv. Yeah, like a supplementary attack. Exactly. Just shank you with an afro comb. Um... <laughs> There's lots of Afros in the Premier League now. Like, damn. Yeah, actually, Chelsea have a good amount of Afros with uh, David Luiz and William. Actually, David Luiz might be a good pick for this because he is out of his fucking mind. <laughs> like, he is the craziest human being. He'd be like fucking Martin Riggs in, in Lethal Weapon. It's like you just don't know what he's going to do and just at any one point. Yeah, he's pure loose cannon. Like, he could... Uh, if you told me he had killed someone at some point, I'd be like, he seems really nice, but I guess that doesn't surprise me either. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I haven't got anyone, but out of you two, I, I pulled up a picture, and uh, yeah, Sirlot looks vicious. 
I think I think it'd have to be my choice. All right, Chuck, you hear that? You're dead now. You're off the pod. This is bollocks. Not standing. What? You're not happy, it. or you just don't think it's good? No, I'm annoyed that I didn't get to pick first. <laughs> well, I offered. Didn't think of it to take fucking Dolph Lundgren <laughs> prototype. I was the gentleman, and I said, "Do you have anyone you want to pick?" He's gonna be a destroyer. He's like twenty, twenty-one. He's like six foot five, eight foot wide. He's fast. Oh god, he's just one of those people. I hope he does well. Anyway, well, Chuck, it's been nice trip. knowing you, but my guy won, so clearly you have to die now. And we'll look for a replacement <laughs> on Twitter for you. Peace. <laughs> so if you want to replace Chuck, please write in at milesoffsidepod at gmail dot com. You don't have to do Chuck. much. You don't have to do much, guys. <laughs> Occasionally say things that Ian has to edit out. Occasionally. <laughs> <laughs> Give me some reason to use the bleep machine. We've got our usual Dave Matteo question of the week. Yay, um, Dave back. Yay. So it's a good one as well. I like this one. Is Benjamin Mendy better at being a fullback or better on Twitter? <laughs> <laughs> He's fucking great on Twitter. He's incredible. Did you see the thing? Um, there was a quote. From Pep after the game, yeah. I think. Yeah. Where he yeah. said, he said, um, what was it? Like, if we could just get Mendy to settle down and get him yeah. to concentrate more, he will be an incredible footballer and maybe stay off Twitter a bit. And yeah. the first response, this is from the Man City Twitter page. The first <laughs> response afterwards was Benjamin Mendy saying, okay, yeah. guys, I'll try. Yeah, <laughs> just, I will, I promise. Fantastic. <laughs> He's like, great. So good. Like we said earlier, the guy just bought into that club and straight yeah. away, I don't know, maybe he just made the most of all of his injury time last year because he was out for like six, seven months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he definitely um, had a lot of downtime on his hands. And now we're finally seeing him as a fullback and he's been incredible on Twitter, but like we said earlier, like he is an incredible left back. <laughs> like, yeah. But... Just unreal. Do you um, follow any uh, Palace players on Social media who are particularly entertaining. Van Arnholt. Van Arnholt's good. It must yeah, maybe it's a left back thing, because Van Arnholt's good and like he's just set up like this ridiculous fantasy league as well this year, They're where like the prizes. Yeah, the prizes are ridiculous. You get like fifteen hundred quids worth of like prizes. You get like a new phone. You get to meet him. He'll let you shag his Man. wife. Like all <laughs> kinds of prizes. <laughs> like it's, it's unreal. Really good of him. Really it's good really of him. good of him. <laughs> uh, but another one of Benjamin Mendy's which I loved was uh, Carl Walker got some golden tweet award for like ripping the piss out of um, Harry Maguire when he was like he's talking to his fiance over yeah, there yeah 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 I like, remember yeah. that so Carl, Carl Walker like ripped the piss out of him and got this golden tweet award and and he tweeted about it saying like hashtag better than Mendy and then Benjamin Mendy replied to him saying ha 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 I'll leave you that one I'll keep the World Cup hashtag it's coming home <laughs> just, like, rinsing it. and just the, just you overlook the fact that Mendy didn't play in the World Cup yeah, and you don't mind it. you're just like yeah he claimed that take it got him yeah. beautiful well I will say as far as left backs and social media go it's very very good that social media wasn't a thing when Ashley Cole was at Chelsea because I'm sure he would have been very active, and I'm sure that would have been very bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, would yeah, not just, have been good. I'm picturing the Snapchat of him with the two youth players shooting each other with BB guns. <laughs> Do you guys know that story? Yeah, yeah. He literally Jesus shot Christ. someone with a BB gun, and like, 
Not, not even a disciplinary. Nah, it's all right. <laughs> not a problem. Anyway, we'll we'll uh, we'll get some of our favourite Benjamin Mendy tweets retweeted on the uh, Twitter account once this goes out. But uh, if anyone, if you want to get in touch, we are at Miles Offside Pod on Twitter, uh, Miles Offside Pod at gmail.com on the email, and we're on Facebook as well as Miles Offside. Uh, so we'd love to hear from you. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's always good to get listener questions in, and we we love interacting with you guys and hearing from you. Um, another thing that we're doing. Um, as you mentioned a few times, there's a little bit of a predictor league. So we've already got about 15, 16 entrants um, into it. And it's it's so simple. Like, it's free to enter. Send us a message with your predictions of the Premier League from position one to position 20. And it, there's going to be a prize. We'll work it out eventually. We'll figure out a prize. Yeah, so far the leading candidate for a prize is a gift card to the megastore of your given club. Yeah, should we should we just say it's that? Yeah, I'm fine. Yeah. yeah, we could do. Yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah. So, uh, whatever club you support, you'll get fifty quid to spend in their club shop. There you go. That's the prize. We decided on it. Bang on Job air, done. live coming at you. Um, so those of you who are a bit like Johnny Come Latelys and want to wait and see of of what's going on, um, league entrants are still available now. So we'll be keeping it open until the end of the international break, which is the fifteenth of September. Um, game week five for those of you who play fantasy football, which I'm sure there's plenty of you that do because everyone does nowadays. Um, so you can get your entries in then. After that, from that deadline, 11.30, 15th of September, we will close entrance to the league. Um, and it's whoever gets the closest to the correct answer wins. And Chuck, can listeners update their predictions up until game week five for those of us that have entered early? No. Because okay. <laughs> I have Man United at like third, I think, and that's uh, not gonna happen. You definitely can't edit. Um, I spent a lot of time doing a spreadsheet, and I can't be fucked to edit the old ones now. So if you're in, you're locked in. Deal with it. But also know that if you do enter right at that game week five deadline, that your victory will be a really hollow one if you win, and I won't be that proud of you. Also, date of entry could be the tiebreaker. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, good call of it. Yeah, if you enter before someone who enters after you, because, you know, in a sort of linear time belief system, that is kind of how it works. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, You will win. So the earlier you'll get it. Does Chuck think that time is a circle? (laughs) There was definitely a simpler way to say that. Yeah, I know, but I've been I've been drinking again, guys. Let's not. Let's, yeah, okay. let's not In so far as time progresses from present to future, and time travel is yeah. not possible, then I guess we'll do it this way. <laughs> you don't know time travel is impossible, don't you? W- don't you step I- up here with your radical ideas? Well, I invented time travel next week, so <laughs> good. A little good. past tense so- joke for you there. Hey, you. <laughs> Right. So if you finish on the same points, then the person who the person who entered first wins. All right. All right. You've had like three minutes to think of it, and it was your idea in the first place. Yep. So that's the predictor league. We also yep. have a mini table draft competition that we started yeah. on the first day, just between the three of us. Uh, if you don't remember the format, I will remind everyone right now. Everyone picked four teams to represent them in this competition. Uh, we had a specific draft order to keep it fair between the three of us. 
Um, and then we would keep track of the table points of those four teams, add them up over the course of the season, and see where we're at. So the official update as of the end of game week two. In third place, I'll go backwards, is myself. I picked Chelsea, who have taken six points from two games. Man United, who have taken three points. Uh, and then West Ham and Fulham, who have not won any of their matches so far. Ooh. So I have nine total points. Not looking that so West so Ham far. pick looks like a bunch of shit. I know. I stand by it. They just need a little bit of transition time, but I stand by that pick. Yeah. Yeah. No. But I have to because they're, they're my team now. Uh, in second place, on thirteen points, so four ahead of me. Although that's spread out over four teams, so that's kind of like one point in the regular table. Uh, is Chuck, he has Liverpool on six points, Palace on three, Leicester also on three, and Southampton with one point. Um, but Leicester, I don't think looked that good going ahead because they lost Vardy and they and he's like their only like legitimately good player left anymore. So how many games is Vardy out for with that? Vardy's has been deemed a reckless challenge, so it's three games. Oh wow, there it is. Yeah, yeah, that's surprising. And in first place. As expected, because he had the best four teams, <laughs> is Stimmers. He has City, so perfect six. Uh, Spurs, also a perfect six so far. Everton with four points, and Arsenal in 17th place with zero points. But that adds up to 16, so yeah. But over the course of one week, you could easily lose 10 points in this. So it's yeah. still pretty tight. Early doors, early doors. Good start, though. Like Peterborough. Yeah. So that's kind of, that's our prediction games and, and stuff kind of covered. Um, let's look forward to this week because we'll get back on a on a weekly schedule now. Um, hopefully. No one's got any holiday booked, have they? Nope. Yeah, I'm in Somerset next week, but I'm taking the laptop, so I'll record with you. Commitment. I love it. Yeah. There um, um, so let's look ahead to the weekend, boys. Um, Saturday, we start off with... with Quite some good games, actually. They're quite interesting. We've got Wolves at home to Man City, um, Arsenal-West Ham, then Bournemouth-Everton, Huddersfield-Cardiff, Southampton-Leicester, and then the late game on Saturday is Liverpool-Brighton. Sunday, Watford-Palace, Fulham-Burnley, Newcastle-Chelsea, and then Monday, big Monday night football, (laughs) um, Man United against Spurs. You'd never think you'd feel really underwhelmed by looking at that fixture, would you? But I kind of worry about what's going to happen in that one. Because, like we said earlier, Spurs have looked leggy and Man United are, you know, United now. Yeah, I just really want Spurs to just destroy United just for sheer drama of, like, what's going to happen in the press conferences afterwards. Yeah. Um, maybe Luke Shaw to get a red card and be the reason that they lose. <laughs> some Some sort of something horrible. Uh, but I do think Spurs will win that. What do you guys think? Yeah. Spurs are at home, right? No, Spurs are away. But, I mean, when do Spurs ever play at home? Even if they do play at home, are they at home? (laughs) Is Wembley a home? Is the the Camembert 365 home? Who knows? (laughs) Oh, I love you that you're trying to make that a thing. You're welcome. I'll make it a thing. (laughs) Microbrewery? Oh, yeah, there's a brewery. Oh, we didn't even mention that earlier when we spoke about the yeah. cheese room. That reminds me. Uh, th- there's there's a microbrewery in the stadium. Fuck, they're so hipster. Like, <laughs> I used to live in that area, and it's hipster as shit. But that is... that. Oh, 
but yeah, like Man United, Man United lose that game. Even at Old Trafford, you think they'll lose? Yeah. Okay. Because you got to think like they're well, as we called earlier, it'd be great to hear from some United fans, but there's not going to be confidence going into the stadium like they just lost to Brighton, who are not necessarily a solid team or someone that are guaranteed to stay up. Um, I do really like Chris Hutton as a manager and think he's he's very clever. Yeah. And he's, he's got some good he's results against Man United in the past. But Man United should never be losing that game, ever. No, um, no excuses at all. No, absolutely. So, yeah, I don't see why United will Not by letting well in three here. goals, anyway. Yeah, exactly. Three goals. between losing and a 1-0 that they nick. But, yeah, letting yeah. in three goals, it just should not be happening. Yeah, exactly, and and you know the three two is is only because of the penalty at the end, really, that makes mm. it look good. Yeah. Um, but any other fixtures that really stand out for you? Well, let's take it back to the Saturday. Both City and Liverpool have really, really enticing fixtures there. Who is going to score more goals? Well, Brighton coming off the back of that United win is whether they try and play a bit more solid in this game. And City and Wolves played each other last year in the cup. And that went to penalties. Um, I think that was at Molyneux as well. Not 100% sure. But obviously they've changed the game. Um, City. City scored more goals. Just deciding really quick. Yeah, Wolves. Wolves for all of like the excitement of being around them. And they've bought so many players. And they're all yeah. Portuguese and all new. Like I worry for them more than Fulham. Um, because I, I think they're going to yeah. go for the team that's like more all-out attack. Yeah. Than them staying solid. I think you've you've kind of got a good mix between the three promoted sides. I think Cardiff are going to stay really solid. They're going to play that boring old school English brand of football. That Tony Pulis, that Sam Allardyce. Um, they're going to try and be solid from the back, play the long ball, and and nick it that way. You've got Fulham, who I think are going to be a bit more balanced um, across the whole pitch. And Wolves, who are just going to try and go and outscore teams. Stimmers, should I put my armband on Salah or on Aguero for fantasy? Well, you're opening a can of worms here, because after after saying last episode that I was going to go with three uh, non-premium strikers, my experiment has failed massively, and I'm on a wild card this week, so desperate to get Aguero oh, wow. in. I'm assuming you're bringing them both in. It's failed miserably. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll have Salah and Aguero. So who are you putting the at armband the, on? At the minute... I've got it on Salah. Okay, I do. Um, I do too. Yeah. I think I think Liverpool will score more goals than City. Put that. Yeah. Down. Oh god, I'm so happy I had the armband on Aguero this week. Just. Uh, <sighs> I moved it at the last fucking minute. Uh, to Salah. I mean, it was only 11 point difference, but 11 points is a lot of points. Like. Yeah, and his ownership has shot up now. Like yeah. it was, it was 20 percent before this week. It's now at 41.1. <laughs> Jesus. Hello. Yep. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, I got him in immediately. Yeah, <laughs> Ian just... makes Ian makes a twenty point twenty uh, percent gap because you know he's kind of a big deal, big yeah. player, big player. But yeah, I suppose I'll have to agree with you, Oscar. Then I'll go okay. with Liverpool. And last prediction for the weekend is Arsenal finally going to get some points. Are they Arsenal finally get some points? What's the correct verb there? I've never known. Is it going to happen? Then we'll, we'll work out. Arsenal... Yeah. Yeah, we'll we work out about... if your statement is actually. Factually correct, correct. Bef- <laughs> no, factually correct. Before yeah, yeah, we work yeah, on the grammar, yeah, <laughs> yeah they've got to. Um, yeah, they really do have to. And then also yeah, West Ham as well, because they're losing the stadium, they're losing the fans, everything. They're already not bothered. Um, Where are they playing? It's at the Emirates. 
I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. It has to become. It has to become a good thing. Um, they have to force it. So, I'd be incredibly surprised if Arsenal don't get a win here. Yep. And actually, yeah, potentially get maybe in the same way that Oscar was saying earlier with Chelsea is that you see them start to click quite a bit more here. I think this will be the game that they were building towards. I think I don't. I don't think they can, without being incredibly arrogant and a bit blindsided, really see. City and Chelsea, City at home and Chelsea away as the games that are to start their season. That's just two things they had to get through. They had to solidify in certain ways, get through those games without any injuries. And now West Ham, this has to be where their season begins. Um, if they don't get the win here and potentially a big win, like there's there's going to be some anger and some hatred. You reckon already? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah, I agree yeah. with that. But yeah, I think West Ham so. are equally looking at this as an opportunity to finally get some points on the table and start gelling because they also have new manager and a bunch of new players. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a London derby. West Ham tend to have a pretty good record against other London teams. I could easily see West, see West Ham pulling a result here. Huddersfield, Cardiff. Um, I think, is it possible for a game to have minus goals? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Well, I've got minus interest. Don't yeah, that's just a game. That that's will, just a fiction. It, it makes me so sad <laughs> that uh, that yeah. exists. Chelsea away to Newcastle is interesting. Like a, I, I like to look at that as a game as well. Newcastle looked dead on their feet, so I'm not. Yeah, and I think hopefully, finally, this will be the week that Hazard starts instead of coming off the bench. And Kovacic, even if he doesn't start, will get more than 25 minutes at the end. Yeah. Um, actually, no, if he doesn't start, he'll probably get exactly that. But I, I'm excited, very excited to watch Chelsea this weekend. What about Palace? Palace, Watford. Um, Watford have looked good, but Watford's always seem. Is it just me, or do Watford always start the season strong? Every year? Yeah, they do. Well, last year, they it all fell apart when they fired the coach. Yeah, like, yeah. And then Richarlison and... stopped scoring. But they yeah, looked good true. to start. And they have looked good, and they, you know, they scored a lot of goals against Burnley, where normally they're very tight in defence. But Burnley, you know, they're they've got to be knackered at the minute. You know, they've played four Europa League qualify, three or four Europa League qualifying games already, and now they've got one more final one against Olympiacos to then find out if they are actually even in the Europa League. So the amount of competitive games they've played with a with a squad of of their size um, is a little bit worrying, actually. Yeah. So I, I don't know how much you can read into that Watford win. I'd put Palace down for a big win there. Um, and on that note, I think that's a wrap on episode 11. So thank you, everyone, for joining us. Uh, enjoy the matches this weekend, and we will be seeing you guys next week for episode 12. Absolutely. So Sorry, that's going to be a good night from me. And Chuck? Yep. And stimmers. <laughs> <Good on. laughs> Bye, guys. Bye.